This is a news update from the University of Portsmouth. My name's Glenn Harris. Today I'm speaking to Dr. Bethany Simmons, a sociologist, and her research into the impact of COVID and the UK's policy response on older people and what it has meant for their health and well-being. We need to change our cultural sort of state of mind in the UK to think beyond individual risk, but we also need to think about what our future health and social care services should look like. Over the last 18 months, the COVID pandemic has been rife, and your research is looking at the impact of the COVID pandemic on older people in particular. Yeah, so my up and coming book, Aging and the Crisis in Health and Social Care, Global and National Perspectives, there's a whole sort of section looking at the impact of the UK policy, how they've dealt with the pandemic and the impact it's had on older people, but also making some comparisons with Sweden and Germany as well. What has been the impact of the last 18 months on older people? What are kind of some of the main kind of findings that you've come up with for your new book? It's been happening since the 1980s. So it's been a sort of continuation of the neoliberalisation and privatisation of health and social care. So these sort of ageist discriminatory sort of practices, they were already sort of there underlying in the system because of the uh, lack of resources and some rationing of health services that were happening anyway. But the pandemic has sort of accelerated and sort of exacerbated some of these practices. So there's been some really significant exceptional practices that have taken place during the pandemic, which have been age discriminatory. So, for example, sort of an end of life care policy that has been blanketly applied to whole groups of people in residential care settings. So effectively, they've had a do not resuscitate order imposed on them without really any consent. There's also been a denial of healthcare services for people who are over 80 in in the first wave. There was um, a triage tool that was implemented, which basically gave points according to age, chronic illnesses and and some other things and, and frailty. But essentially, if you're over 80, it meant that you had too many points to be treated. So it was used to ration intensive care beds in the first wave. A high proportion of those people would have survived if they'd received that care. Also, there's been reports of paramedic services being sort of advised not to take older people to hospital during the first wave as well. So yeah, there's there's been a sort of continuation of rationing policies, but also sort of basically an undermining of human rights based on age, which has taken place during the pandemic. And with those examples, um, are we seeing a new wave of ageism with kind of older people being blamed, kind of going back before the pandemic with Brexit, the boomer generation so-called, for impacting the future young people today? Is, is this something we're seeing more of now? I think so. I think you can see it in the rhetoric, um, in in the government's rhetoric and also in the media. It's not necessarily new. It's something that, you know, this intergenerational conflict, ageism, is not sort of just rearing its head during the pandemic. It's It's been around probably since, you know, the 1980s as well, actually, in the onset of neoliberalism. But it's essentially this idea that 
you know, they're pitching one generation against another. So it's a sort of divisive political rhetoric, which has the effect of justifying the reduction in investment in services for older people. So it's a way of cutting funding to things like the pension funds or healthcare services. During the pandemic, you can see reports of, even in the latest third wave, there are public health representatives saying half of people dying are double-dosed, but they're also older and vulnerable, justifying their death based on their age. Older people's lives are not being valued as much as, as younger people's lives. And is this something that's just happened in the UK or is it taking parts in other parts of the world because obviously we know in other countries and cultures they have very different attitudes to to kind of family and um, older members of the family as well so is this something which is happening elsewhere obviously it's happening elsewhere in my book I look at Sweden and um, which is quite you know unusual to think that Swedish society would be ageist but unfortunately Although it's got this very social democratic historical development of its welfare state, it's become, you know, its health and social care services have become quite privatised. So they are also took quite a sort of age discriminatory type of uh, response to the COVID-19 pandemic and had the worst death rates in all Nordic countries. There's also the USA, which had, again, is very neoliberal in terms of its culture and, and, and policy and called it the boomer remover. But there were some some countries that did much better. Germany, which is the other country I looked at, really protected older people's rights. So they've got legislation that protects older people from being discriminated in the health, health and social care system. So they protected them in care homes. They got a regional track and trace measures in place quite quickly. I would argue that countries that have a very strong neoliberal culture would probably have taken a quite similar stance to the UK, prioritising the economy above health and wellbeing of older people. So how can we kind of reconnect, as it were? How can we bring kind of generations to come together and help kind of protect the rights and lives of older people? What, what do we need to do? We need to move away from thinking about things in a you know personal individual responsibility type of choice rhetoric and think about the connections between generations and throughout people's life course because people will experience vulnerability at every stage of their life and this could be related to aging illness disease or disability so it's not an end fixed state that older people are vulnerable and therefore we don't need to worry about them we can just you know let them die and in sort of silence we all could be potentially vulnerable to this virus but also it's a way of you know if you think about precarity as being something that's um fluid and you know you're precarious at different points in your life in different circumstances it encourages empathy for other people in a more vulnerable position so i think we need to think about the virus as a collective challenge it's not an individual challenge we're not individual it's not an individual risk it's a collective risk so we need to be thinking about other people, the potential that that could be us. I also think we need to think about health and social care in, a, in a, not only a, a regional, national policy context, but also as a political decision. And I would argue that we need to reimagine it and reconfigure it to be much more 
universal, providing universal care across the whole life course. That's been really um, fascinating. Lots of food uh, for thought there, Bethany. So what's the title of your book and uh, and when's it out so we can find out more about this? Um, So the title of the book is called Aging and the Crisis in Health and Social Care, Global and National Perspectives. And it's out in November 2021 via Policy Press. Thank you for listening. If you'd like to listen to more podcasts or learn about research taking place at the University of Portsmouth, find out more on our website, port.ac.uk forward slash news.